encourage you to grab your Bibles or your, uh, your devices if you turn to the uh, live event on uh, version. You can follow along with some, some notes there. We are in the last, this is the last installment, the last part of our series that we've been uh, doing through the book of Ephesians called uh, Holy Love's Healing Power. And uh, the two verses we're going to look at today kind of just bring everything together uh, that we've been talking about. Um, and so uh, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I haven't seen it or heard any of the other messages, that's okay because we're going to bring them all together today. Uh, so uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 uh, are, the, uh, are the verses for the for our uh, background, Bible background and basis today. Paul says to the Ephesians, and he says to us, you are the children that God dearly loves. So follow his example. Lead a life of love just as Christ did. He loved us. He gave himself up for us. He was a sweet-smelling offering and sacrifice to God. Uh, perhaps like me, uh, those of us who grew, grew up in church or were drug up in church, as some have said, uh, you, we probably grew up singing a, a very simple children's song that echoes the message of these verses uh, from uh, Ephesians. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Uh, it, there's a story that a great theologian was once asked what his most profound thought had ever been, and he quoted this, Jesus loves me. This I know. Unfortunately, singing that song all day long. Quoting John 3.16 about how God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Um, or declaring our confidence in the church's creeds over and over again does not guarantee that we will feel love. Head knowledge never equals heart experience. Head knowledge by itself is part of it, but it's not all of it. And until it makes the, what, what some have called the longest trip, the 18 inches from here to here, from our heads to our hearts, uh, it's just a theory. Uh, the, the theological, the Bible, the biblical, doctrinal affirmation that God loves me and the personal awareness that I am loved and worthy of love are two different things. They're connected, but they're not the same thing. And we can proclaim Jesus' love for others without feeling it in the core, in the center of our being, who we are. And that's our problem. We sing, yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. 
and we want to believe it. We want to believe it's true, but it's unbelievable to us because how can anybody love me? Why would God love me when no one else has loved me? Now, some of us are keenly aware of the problem. Others, not so much. So allow me to clear away some of the confusion. So just listen, how many of these warning signs show up in your life? You never have enough. You never have enough power, popularity, or property. Uh, you never have enough people appreciating your work or recognizing your achievements. You never have enough. There's this nagging dissatisfaction with yourself and with your life. Or maybe you're stuck with a miserable, empty feeling because everything you have pursued failed to deliver what you're longing for deep inside. Your relationship with Jesus is like an endless treadmill. This is another possibility, another warning sign. Your, your relationship with Jesus is like an endless treadmill that keeps going faster and faster, and you're doing more and doing more and doing more and doing more, but it never seems to satisfy. Another warning sign is that there's this voice in your head that repeats a constant nagging loop of self-hate and shame 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 and a quarter days a year. You cannot find escape or lasting relief no matter what you try. Another warning sign is that you're trying to drown that out, silence it, get stuck. Drugs, alcohol, sex, friends, people, all those things that we already mentioned that are never enough. Another warning sign, shame, stamps, not loved, in bold-faced letters across your heart. Another one. How often do you push people away or build walls to keep them out? How often do you feel like you deserve isolation and rejection? The Bible's picture of a loving God stands in stark contrast to the view of God in your heart. And as we talked about and read these verses this morning about how God loves you and that God is love, and there, there was a part of you, whether you wanted to admit it or not, there was a part of you that goes, mm, not so sure. Author Sandra Wilson summarizes that the, the distorted view is that uh, uh, many of us have along five lines. For, for some people, God is cruel and fickle. You have absolutely no idea what to expect, but you can be sure it's going to hurt. Or, or some people believe that, that, that God is demanding and unforgiving, and he will never be satisfied. 
There, there are some who believe that God is uh, selective and unfair, that he has favorites and he plays favorites, and you're not one of them. Uh, there are some who believe that God is distant and unavailable. He's out there somewhere watching us from a distance. My friends and family know that's a song I just despise for that very reason. God is not watching us from a distance. I'm sorry. And then there's, there's one more, this final group. There's a whole variety and combination of these but this, this fifth one is that God is kind, but he's confused and weak. And he really cares, but there's not much he can do about it. Or he can't figure it out. We, these are inadequate, distorted views of, of who God is. But some of us carry these in our hearts, and then we hear these things like, God is love. And we go, hmm, I think he's more checked. Or, or we, we read these verses like we did this morning. You are God's dearly loved child, and you're going, but yeah, but he has favorites, and I'm not one of them. Where does this come from? What causes this problem of us not feeling lovable or worthy of God's love and not understanding him? Where does it all come from? Well, one of the things is that it's simply, we cannot prove that God exists with our logic alone. If we could, there would be no atheist in the world. Uh, if his existence and his character were perfectly and obviously clear to our limited minds and our limited minds alone, then we'd all agree about who God is and all of our ideas about God would be true and nobody would say there is no God. We know that's just not the way it is. Because as smart as we are, we cannot prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that God exists. You can't bring in a gallon bucket full of God. Now, to make it worse, we live in a broken world filled with broken people who break each other intentionally and unintentionally. Our, our personal brokenness is exaggerated by our experiences in this fallen world and in our fallen families. Our families are never perfect. There are a lot of good families, but no perfect families appear in our world. I, I think it was a, a comedian who once said, there's only been one perfect father, and look how all of his kids turned out. If you're not sure who the perfect father was, it was God, and we're his children. <laughs> uh, fam families, fam all of our families range along a, a, a line between uh, consistently dysfunctional and highly destructive, all the way up to consistently functional and highly nurturing, but even then, they're not perfect. There are no families that are flawless. And no one comes through child uns childhood unscathed. If you were born and raised in this world, you're broken. I was born and raised in this world. I'm broken. We're all broken. 
And some of us grew up with a parent or two who were deeply broken, more severely broken than many, most, perhaps. You would even say than everybody else's parents. Some of our mothers and fathers abused us or stood silently by as others did. The scars from that make it hard to receive and to give love, real, holy love, God's love. These are the things that come together and, and cause us all to, to know that God loves us, but not necessarily feel that he loves us and that we're worthy and that we deserve it and that we can receive it. And if we never receive it, we can't share it. We can't pass it on. Now, the good news is there are resources that God gives us to heal our hearts so we experience his great love. I mean, this is what we've been talking about uh, in the last several weeks is the holy love's healing power. And so I want to remind you again today uh, from these verses that we've already read, but they're true. You are the children that God dearly loves. He has no favorites. Well, yes, he does, and we're all his favorites. You are God's dearly loved children, so follow his example. Lead a life of love, just as Christ did. He loved us, and he gave himself up for us. And he, is, he was a sweet-smelling sacrifice to God. God loves us deeply. God loves you deeply. And that transforms our, your relationship with him. And ultimately, when your relationship with God is transformed, your relationships with each other begin to be transformed and changed. In other words, we are God's dearly, deeply, unconditionally loved children so he helps us and teaches us how to love like he does, like he loves. He heals us so that we feel his love and share his love. We are designed to be rivers of life-giving love to each other, not to become stagnant ponds that just hang on to whatever we can get but rivers, streams of living, loving water, sharing with each other. And we find the, the stance, the, the place, the energy, the strength, the foundation for doing that as being God's dearly loved, well-loved child. And we do that by claiming that love, appropriating that love for ourselves, and to appropriate a love that we never knew. We can come to feel like well-loved children, even if we never grew up that way. So how do we appropriate God's love? How can we experience God's love uh, in our hearts? Well, first of all, we need to exchange our belief systems. That is not an easy thing to do. 
though we do. We, we need to renounce the lies of this broken world, the lies about our distorted views of who God is, our lies about distorted views of who we are and our value and our worth. Our value and our worth were determined by God when he died on a cross for us. You are worth dying for. He, God created the universe. Why did God create the universe? He tells us in, in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the universe. Was he lonely? No. He just wanted to love you. He knew you would need a place to live and that you need an address and a planet to live on. And he designed an entire universe to hold that planet so that there would be a time and a place for you to live. God, we, we need to just renounce the lies we've been told. The lies that we've believed, whether we were told them directly or not. We live in a broken world, and we need to renounce the lies of our broken world and our broken experience. And we need to announce the truth. So I'm right now I'm just going to give you a homework assignment. I would encourage you. I did it this week. That's why we had so many right readings from the book of Ephesians. Get out your Bible, however you read it, and whether it's a paper, you know, hard hard copy or on, on your computer or on your phone or some other device. Get out your Bible and go through the book of Ephesians with a pen and a pad of paper and write down, copy every single verse that talks about how much God loves you. Write it down. No, don't just highlight it. Write it down. And then read it. In the morning when you wake up, read the whole list. Well, you don't know how to have to do in the morning. Get up early. And stay up a little later because I'm going to ask you to read it at night before you go to bed. If you're going to exchange your belief system, you're going to transform your belief system you need to pump the truth in to push the lies out. Renounce the lie. I have tended to believe that I am unworthy, but God, and who am I to argue with? God says I am. Renounce the lie and announce the truth. Second, we receive God's love through others, particularly those in our church. The, the church is God's chosen, the church, his people, not the building, the people. If we've learned anything from this, is that as nice as church buildings are, they are not the church. The church is the people. Wherever we are, we are the church. You are the church. And we are God's chosen method of loving each other and everyone around us. We can experience the love of our Heavenly Father through other persons in the fellowship, in the family of God's love. People who do live love, who do feel God's love, and who do authentically care about us. I told you before that we should share our aches and our pains, our hurts and our, our, our habits and our problems with other Christians, but we need to care, choose them carefully because we're all broken and some are more broken than others. 
this is one of those places where, again, we need to look for people who really do live love, who really feel love, and really care and share God's love. So we need to change our, our belief system by renouncing the lies and announcing the truth. We need to receive God's love through others, allowing other people to love us. And third, we need to start speaking the truth to ourselves about who we are. You need to tell yourself the truth. Absolute, unconditional, divine love is like kryptonite for self-confidence. Contempt. Actually, it's stronger than kryptonite. Kryptonite only makes Superman weak and sick. Uh, Self-contempt self is absolutely destroyed and killed by God's unconditional divine love. God's love calls us back from isolation into relationship. It's, it's his goodness that brings uh, begins to turn us toward home and toward him and toward others. So here's a couple of things to think about. When you make a mistake, how do you speak to yourself? How do you speak to yourself most of the time? Um, I have read this question multiple times. It's not original with me. It came from a, a, a devotional I read, and I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I kept thinking about what there's got to be a nicer way to say this. But some of us know the truth. This question is absolutely spot on. When you make a mistake, what words and phrases do you commonly use to curse yourself? So how can you reframe your reactions within the context of God's love and, and begin to speak kindness to yourself instead of contempt and anger? So, first, change your belief system by renouncing the lies and announcing the truth. Second, receive his love through God's love through others. Third, start speaking the truth to ourselves. And fourth, we can seize the transforming power of God's love for us by welcoming the Holy Spirit into every area of our lives, always saying more of you, more of you. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, give me more of you. Take more areas of my life. In another letter, Paul wrote to the church in Rome and said, Our hope will not be led to disappointment. It will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Simple but powerful prayers we've been praying. Come, Holy Spirit. I need you. So what are the results uh, of being dearly loved daughters and sons in God's and Jesus' kingdom family? What, what are the results? 
Well, here's the sermon in a sentence. We are God's dearly, deeply, unconditionally loved children so we can love as he loves. All the time, water falls from the, uh, the cloud, rains down, and flows and gathers into creeks and flows through the creeks and the streams and the channels and the rivers and ends up eventually in pipes and hoses to give us life. But water can also pool in stagnant ponds and quickly become lifeless and even deadly. And often it just finally evaporates and is gone and lost. Well, not really, because now it's back to the clouds where it will come back to the earth and rain. God's love for us is supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to pool in us and become stagnant. It's supposed to, to fall from heaven into our hearts and flow through us like creeks and streams and channels and rivers and pipes and hoses to give life and love to everybody around us. God's love flows into our lives to flow out to others. And the more we allow it to flow, the more life his love gives to us and through us. And that's what we were created for. When you allow God's love to flow through your, you, your life becomes a pleasing act of worship to him. When you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, when, when you welcome his love to enter and then to pass on through you, when you willingly sacrifice in some way, either your time or your talents or your possessions or what, in whatever way you might sacrifice, whatever, whenever you willingly sacrifice to love someone like Jesus loves them, then your life becomes a symphony of praise to our Heavenly Father. So the question this morning was, are you ready to ask Jesus to heal your deepest wounds with his holy love? God's healing comes in multiple ways. Sometimes it's instantaneous, sometimes it's gradual, sometimes it's several steps. But I can assure you that his healing love heals. Are you willing to become and to be the way that God loves others? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. We need you to heal our deepest wounds with your holy love. We need you to cleanse our hearts and minds from the lies we believe about you, about ourselves, about others. how to deal with the hurts we have deep inside. Come, Holy Spirit. We need your healing love. Come, Holy Spirit. We want to become channels of that love. We want to love people the way Jesus does. We want to share his 
is compassion. We volunteer, Holy Spirit. We volunteer to be the ones to introduce people who have never felt love to the holy love only you can give. So Paul ends the book of Ephesians, this letter of Ephesians, uh, uh, with, with a, a simple prayer, a blessing, a benediction. Here it is. It's my prayer for you today. May God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give peace to the brothers and sisters, to you. May they also give the believers, give you love and faith. May grace be given to everyone who loves our Lord Jesus Christ with a love that will never die. Sisters, brothers, Jesus sends us to follow him in giving our lives for the world, introducing others to the Holy Spirit's powerful love often involves weeping and wrestling in prayer like Jesus does even now. So go. You don't even have to leave your house. But know you are sent to seek with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're sent. Go. Go.